You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, here we are on another Locked On Podcast Network crossover episode. Brian Peacock here of Locked On 49ers. And if you are a listener of Locked On NFL, you will recognize this voice, Matt Williamson. Former NFL scout and ESPN analyst, host of numerous things, including host of Locked On NFL. Matt, how are you today? I am great, bud. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Getting excited for the draft. It's my favorite time of the year. It's Christmas time. Yeah, it really is. It's a little bit of that calm before the storm because all the decision makers and movers and shakers are, trust me, they are bunker, you know, hunkered down in their bunker. They're staring at boards. I went through that with my one year with the Browns. It was unbelievably cool, but they are long days. I mean, you spend an entire day doing linebackers, and then the next day you do edge guys, and then the next day you do safeties, and then you combine them all and you know start building your board horizontally as well as vertically. And it's a lot of work. There's a lot of battles behind the scenes, and that's what's going on right now to get their boards properly in line for you know when it matters most. Yeah, that part of the process is super interesting to me, and I want to get into some of that and also – what we can believe this time of year that's coming out of some reporters. And, and if the board's not finalized, how could we have even believed anything that was rumored about a singular player like a month or two ago? So before we get into that, I, I do want to reference something that, that goes with what you just said. And we're going to talk a little 49ers as well here. But um, Greg Gabriel had an article that came out today, Pro Football Weekly, and he talked about that very thing. And I think it was the 1996 draft. And it was John Ogden, Simeon Rice, and some other players. And he was in the New York Giants scouting department at that time. And he said they were completely unprepared because they were sitting at pick five. And they thought one of their top four guys was going to get there. And when their top four went top four, they sort of scrambled. And they drafted, uh, I can't remember the player they drafted, but he did not turn out. He was a complete bust. And he said they were completely unprepared for that pick because they didn't expect that to go down. And I can't believe that how much time these guys put in that that could possibly happen. But the thing that was most interesting to me is they said they spent a day and a half, 11 hours arguing where to place one player. And that blows me away. Wow. I'm going to have to go read that article. I haven't yet. I am. Apparently it came out today. He does great work. I can't believe that though. (laughs) I mean, you're picking fifth. I mean, it'd be different if you were 30th or even more importantly, if it was the third round and there was, five guys you loved and you were six picks away and they all happened to fall. Right. But you can't come up with five names. <laughs> you know, I mean, you got a months and months to prepare for that. I mean, to me, that is, if, if there's truth in that, that is a mortal sin. I mean, that's malpractice. I could understand saying, boy, I like these four much better than the fifth guy on our board. But if you have the fifth pick in the draft and you don't know who your fifth best player is, I mean, <laughs> what on earth is going on there? Yeah, like, all right, our big board's set. It's only got four players on it. <laughs> right. We hope it works. <laughs> yeah, that's that's, that's wild. I was blown away by that story. And you wonder because as hey, real a f- quick, I mean, I could certainly understand, hey, we love these four. If one of them fall to us, we'll argue it and we'll go get them. Um, and, and then, okay, if those four do go, we're certainly open for business. We want to trade out. We see a teardrop. But you better have a name. Yeah, it's that's unbelievable. It's that's crazy with with all the time they put in. So you argue about one guy for eleven hours who's not even on the board for you, and then you scramble while you're on the clock for the next guy. That's 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 totally wild. But uh, so all of that time and and all of what's going on right now in draft rooms around the NFL behind closed doors, they're finalizing their draft boards. So 
When it comes to the 49ers, which we will get to here, you, before you get to the 49ers, you got to go through the Arizona Cardinals, who have the first pick in the draft, 49ers sitting at number two. And we've been hearing all of these rumors about, and it seems like everybody 100% is on board and fully believes the Arizona Cardinals will select Kyler Murray now, number one overall. And we'll see what happens in our Locked On Network mock draft, by the way, that's going to happen Monday through Friday. We're going to go team by team and have all of our local experts drafting for each team. And it's going to be hosted by myself and Matt on the Locked On NFL show. I'm super pumped about that. And it's going to start Let's with Arizona. Let's talk about that for one minute. Yeah, we should. I haven't revealed that to my audience yet. So this is the first that the Locked On Ooh. NFL people are hearing it. But this upcoming week, um, the following, you know, starting a week from today, right? I mean, is yes. when we're going to start airing this where we went all across the network and grabbed everyone to represent their respective team. There's trades. You and I are basically the Kuiper and McShay kind of analyzing every step of the way, sort of emceeing the whole thing. It's going to be really cool. I'm pretty excited to dig into it. Uh, Matt, how's your hair game? Because we got to figure out which one of us is Kuiper. I I know Todd well. I've had dinner with Mel once, (laughs) and I'm nowhere near him in the hair game. I can tell you that. All right. Well, you got to go get a suntan over the next week. You can be a McShay. I'll be the Kuiper. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. But yeah, we kind of buried the lead there. That's that's. I'm super excited about that draft show that's going to come up uh, five days yeah. next week, leading up to draft week. It's going to be a lot of fun bringing on all the local experts and everybody from the Locked On Podcast Network. So it's going to start with pick number one. We still don't know who that selection is going to be. If it will be Kyler Murray, but my question is: so basically, the day that Kyler Murray announced that, okay, I'm serious about the NFL. I want to play quarterback. And that's the direction I'm going. We started hearing that it was a done deal that the Arizona Cardinals were going to select Kyler Murray. If they are still at this point in the process behind closed doors arguing about how they're going to set their draft board, how could any of that have been accurate a month ago? Well, this goes back to our first conversation to some degree is there is still information out there. You know, I mean, mostly injury related sometimes character-related, where you're still gathering data, even right up to the draft. You know, do we think that knee's okay? I mean, it, it, we know Kyler two years from now isn't going to say, I'm calling the A's, man. This is for the birds. I'm getting beat up behind this terrible offensive line. I hate <laughs> it. Maybe he's in it now, but do we trust that? We're trying to still sit down with him and get those information. But I also think that really, and, and I said this on my podcast, Basically, as soon as we got official measurements at the Combine, I said he's going first overall. I mean, he's big enough. He wasn't five, eight and a half. You know, it wasn't mm. alarmingly small. And I didn't know that for a fact, but then I went to the Combine, and, you know, at the bars, people were telling you, dude, it's a done deal. And I don't think they're having any reservations. I could see them throwing things out there just so they can maybe get more for Rosen in trade. But I very much believe Kyler Murray's going one. Rosen's going to get traded. Someone's going to get a good deal with Rosen. And then your guys will be on the clock with any defensive player they want. And I know this isn't what you asked me, but I just, and my hunch is, and I think you and I have had this conversation that Bosa would be the obvious pick at two, but would it be more valuable if by chance Bosa went one and then all of a sudden you're feeling offers like crazy from the Raiders or whomever for Kyler Murray. 
Oh, that's a fan- better for the Niners. Exactly. That's a fantastic tease. I talked to, about that a little bit on yesterday's Locked On 49ers show. Uh, we got to take a quick, quick break, get more into that, more into Rosen, Cardinals, how that all yeah. is going to work out, and talk a little 49ers as well. Okay, so when it comes to the Cardinals and Josh Rosen, my first question there is, okay, so Kyler Murray, we believe the rumors, we believe all that stuff. Cliff Kingsbury loves him. Kyler Murray's going number one to the Cardinals. Why is... Josh Rosen right now showing up to, you know, the first opening workouts for the Cardinals. Why is he not in another uniform already? Well, I mean, I think if you're Rosen, hey, I'm a Cardinals employee. Maybe they won't trade me. I want to look like a good, you know, soldier for my team, but more likely for the Giants or Redskins or whomever. I don't want to cause waves or, you know, I mean, I knew my reputation also coming out of school last year. Maybe I wasn't the most likable dude in the world. But I also think the Cardinals may – I do think they know, like I said before, I do think the Cardinals know Kyler Murray's their man. But what if he falls down steps or gets hit by a bus? Or, you know, I mean, like (laughs) something bad could happen between now and draft day that all of a sudden you're like, well, I'm not drafting him, and we just traded Rosen, and now we got nobody. You know, so – uh, that's my hunch of, you know, just the the timeline of it was maybe you're talking trade for Rosen. You have a deal in place with the Redskins or whomever, and you got to tell them, hey, you got to wait a couple weeks just so we know Murray's healthy and, you know, it, it, nothing bad happened. That you makes know, sense. A, a bong mask thing doesn't come out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? That's a great point. And, uh, and I wonder if, 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 like, if you're looking at the timeline and sort of um, – a chart of where maximum trade value is for players. Would his maximum trade value be basically 24 hours before draft day, like Wednesday, basically, because the team knows that, okay, now it has to go. Or is there some diminishing returns in that trade value for the Cardinals? If they wait too long, teams know that, look, you got to trade him before you can draft another guy tomorrow. Yeah, I've thought about that a lot too. And I'm glad you asked it. And I don't have a good answer, unfortunately, but I think there's two ways of looking at it. It's kind of like you inferred that, you know, right before the draft's the time to do it. You get that bird in the hand. You can use your other picks on defense or O-line or wherever else you need. You know you got your guy. It's a good feeling to go to bed the night before the draft knowing, hey, I got the, what, ninth or tenth pick in the draft last year for a discount rate. I loved him a year ago. Um, I'm going to build my team around him through this draft. I have that in my back pocket. I think that's a great way to, um, you know, start pursuing – you know, the team building around him. But what if, you know, you're the Broncos or the Redskins, and I can name six, seven teams that don't get their guy. You know, round one, man, I was going to take Drew Locke, and he just went in front of me. Now what am I going to do? You know, now I'm calling the, the the Arizona Cardinals and saying, why don't you take next year's first? Or I'm going to up my ante, or you know what I mean? Like, if you get shut out and you were sold on getting a guy and you didn't, maybe you're paying more the next day. That's a good point. I didn't really think about that angle is the the team that misses out. Maybe instead mm-hmm. of, maybe the best offer they're getting right now is say a high second round pick for Rosen. You wait, a team doesn't get their quarterback, maybe they throw the first rounder next year at you instead and that's right. where you recoup that value. Or or you get that same second, you know, that they offered and say, "Hey, give me next year's second too," you know, yeah. because now more people are calling or I mean, obviously the field that would be calling you is probably smaller. You know, if there were three or four teams that you've been in touch with and two of them drafted their quarterback, they're out of it. But the teams might be more desperate, you know what I mean, that, that, that didn't get their guy. 
You mentioned Washington at 15. Do you think he would be able to to get that much in return, a mid-first-round pick? I kind of like the New York angle. New York Giants, they have the extra pick. Now that they've traded OBJ at pick 17 overall, seems about right value-wise, and I would love that Rosen versus Darnold now uh, for King of New York with the Jets and the Giants. That'd be a fun storyline. Yeah, it would be. And you might be asking the wrong person because I'm very, very high on Rosen, and I've said this on my show a lot that – 31 teams should be calling the Cardinals. I mean, if it's really only going to cost you a third, which I don't believe, or a second, I mean, I could easily come up with 10 or 12 teams, including, you know, the Patriots and the Chargers and guys that have studs in place that aren't going to be there forever, let alone the Bengals and Redskins and Giants like that that you mentioned. So I'm still a very big believer. Um, So I would probably, if I was the Redskins, I would give you that first right now straight up for Rosen because he might be my second favorite quarterback in this draft. I mean, I'd rather have him than Haskins. I'd rather have him than Locke. He is my second favorite quarterback in this draft. So if I could get any quarterback in this draft at that pick and a better version of him, then I would do it. Um, That being said, my hunch is if you are the Redskins, maybe you can get the Cardinals early third and Rosen for my mid first. Okay. No, that makes a lot of sense too. Yeah. Something else. And there's that, that they can get creative with this too. And that's what makes this draft so fun. I think it's going to be really interesting where to place those quarterbacks. And you've got Kyler Murray at number one. And then there's some other places where there could be movement. You know, the New York giants, need a quarterback at some point there's talks that they're going to re-up Eli Manning that just confirms to me that they definitely are taking a quarterback because that just doesn't make any sense and they would probably be putting that out there to try to calm down teams from trading up in front of them but I got to believe Tampa maybe at pick five or the Jets uh, maybe even the 49ers say if uh, Bosa does go number one there's got to be another trade spot for a quarterback right with the team moving up in front of the Giants or the Giants themselves moving up into the top five I don't know what to believe. I mean, I've been doing this so long that I've learned not to trust anything you read for about three weeks or a month here going into the draft (laughs) because there's smoke screens galore. But one of the people I trust most is most is Lance Zerline. And I've done quite a bit with him, and I really think he's dialed in. And he just sent a tweet out the other day saying people don't like Haskins as much as the media does, you know, that he may fall to the teens or so. And I could see that. I mean, he's a throwback heavy-footed, battleship-type quarterback. Um, I don't like Locke that much. I don't like Jones as a first-round player. I think Will Greer's underrated. So it just – I don't think the crop is great. I mean, if it was last year's guys coming out, I would think you'd have a bevy of teams being aggressive where it's not so bad to be the Broncos and hang tight and take Devin White or, you know, I mean – uh, the Giants don't make the move at, what, six or seven. Instead, they get a stud pass rusher. You know, I mean, there's so many good defensive prospects, too. So I have mixed feelings about that. Um, I do think, and I've talked about this, so the Giants have been a big topic on my show. I think the time is now to do it if you're the Giants. I mean, to wait one more year and give Barkley that much more wear and tear, I think they've created, and what I've been saying is, I know people have been very critical of the Giants, But I think they've created a nice nest, a nice landing spot for a rookie. I know Odell would be great, but getting his big personality out of the building might not be the worst thing for a young guy. You sit there and you learn from a true professional. The line's improved. There's a lot of easy throws to be made to Shepard, Tate, Ingram, Barkley. To me, that's a great place to land as a rookie. 
And I'll probably be pretty critical of the Giants with, what, three picks in the top 36 or so if they don't add some rookie or Rosen. I 100% agree. You got to do that if you're the Giants. If they're not looking for a quarterback, I don't even know what you're doing if you're not going for a quarterback there. And you have the draft resources. Uh, Don't forget, everybody, to get this show every day. Subscribe to Locked On 49ers or Locked On NFL on the new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlists and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked On 49ers and Locked On NFL and all the podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, let's get down into the nitty-gritty with the San Francisco 49ers now, and I want to get your opinions on this thing. And so Kyler Murray goes number one. Let's put that there. If the 49ers are looking at Nick Bosa, do you even entertain offers? Do you have Nick Bosa in a tier uh, above the rest of the edge rushers as I do? Or do you think maybe there's another guy even worth considering there for the 49ers at number two? I think that's the move. I mean, he's so safe. I know you just added D Ford, but you talk about turning a weakness into a massive strength. Uh, That front, I mean, that front seven would be really, really formidable. And I'm not sure if he's a better prospect than Quinn and Williams. Um, I can make an argument either way, to be very honest with you. But I know both of them are elite prospects, and I think Bosa's unbelievably safe. I might listen to offers, but somebody's going to have to blow me away, and it's not going to take me long to take the card up there. I totally agree. It's it, Maybe you listen, and if something crazy happens there, then you make that move. It'd be a lot easier if Bosa went one to make a trade and probably get more offers, too, for teams looking to get up to get Kyler Murray. But at the same time, if the Cardinals are sitting there at number one and willing to move, why would a team spend basically the same amount of resources to go up to two when they could just go up to number one? So I really don't see a way that the 49ers are the team that gets that huge windfall at number two because the team's either going up at number one for Kyler Murray and working with the Cardinals, or the, he, uh, Murray goes number one and the Cardinal and the 49ers are sitting there with Nick Bosa on the board. So they make that selection. One thing I wanted to talk to you about with the 49ers is I'm having a hard time because really the strengths of this draft are lining up extremely well with the needs for the 49ers. If they go edge mm-hmm. in round one, extremely deep at wide receiver on day two safety. If they're looking for that rangy single high free safety type on day two, those guys are there. Uh, Some good offensive linemen with some uh, versatility too. So if the 49ers keeping one eye on the future with Joe Staley going into last year of his contract, maybe moving McGlinchey over the left tackle, maybe trying to find a depth piece there that could play guard as rookie, potentially play right tackle next year. There's some of those players that could be there at pick number 36. Do you think if you were setting up a plan right now in the 49ers draft room that you would have a specific position group that you would try to attack, knowing that maybe there would be another player there in the third round for you if you were looking at at those three positions you have any favorites there at number 36 yeah that's a great conversation and I think you're right I mean you get Bosa in hand and then you look at defensive backs in general um, guards and wide receivers and I think the day two is pretty much the sweet spot from all of those especially safeties and wideouts but I want to have a quick wideout conversation with you is let's I mean, your audience knows this. I think my audience knows this from listening, but this is a Shanahan offense. And what I mean by that is Daddy Shanahan, Kubiak, Son Shanahan. I mean, this has been going on a very long time, and it's a tried and true model. And I know that Kyle Shanahan has publicly came out and said, we don't need a number one receiver. 
I kind of chuckle at that behind the scenes because <laughs> supposedly they were in on OBJ. Supposedly they kicked the tires on AB. And why I say this is Kubiak had Andre J. His dad had Marshall. He had Julio. And there's a couple more examples where this offense doesn't have to, but ideally it goes through a true number one receiver. And I know Julio and Andre J don't grow on trees and they're not going to get one in this draft. But part of me thinks, do you just live with what you have at wide out as opposed to getting a second or third round player who's a good prospect? And then next year you get, you go all in and you trade for a guy or, or you know what I mean? Like either, let me rephrase that. Either is it better this year to live with what you have, go through Kittle, receiving backs, let Pettis emerge, Goodwin's a good player, and Godwin's a good player. And then next year, priority is let's go all in to get the superstar, the number one guy. Or do you add just another piece who might not be better than Pettis, but it's a good value in the second, third round? Um, I tend to think that it's almost number one receiver or bust. And I don't trust what Kyle's saying. I'm trusting what history has showed me with this offense. Right, and I think Kyle is really confident in his own skills and ability to scheme people open, As so I understand be. what he's yeah. saying. But And maybe you don't need a number one, but nobody's going to be turning down a number one. If you have the opportunity to get one, you should be. And I think that's what I would be doing if I was the 49ers, is maybe swinging for the fences, trying for that home run at the top of the second round, say if a Hakeem Butler is there. You try to find the most beastly wide receiver you can and hope you develop that true number one matchup nightmare player. I don't know if Butler is more of a Shanahan receiver or not. He tends to go for, for the pure separators. He likes toughness. So uh, if you're trying to, to, to figure out which guy Shanahan's going to like, look for the guy who separates the most but also has some toughness there. So you're looking like at three cones. And, you know, so I have a feeling more like A.J. Brown, Nikhil Harry maybe, who had some really good workouts and helped himself out, I think, in this process. Uh, Debo Samuel, who they coached at the Senior Bowl, you know they're going to love him. So those are the guys I would be – guessing would be pretty high on the 49ers draft board and my question just is 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 any of those players potentially even you know could Debo slip toward round three or even within a trade-up range from three into the second and then if you're if you're sort of looking at that versus the safety class and which one of those positions you would take at the top of round two uh, I want to ask you being the scout that you are do you have a particular favorite with say um, Nasir Adderley he might go in the first round there's Deontay Thompson I really like Juan Thornhill, who was also on that senior bowl roster for the 49ers and Darnell Savage. If I knew that one of those safeties could be around in the third round, I'm swinging for the fences at the top of round two for a wide receiver. How do you see that? Yeah, I think those are really good names at both positions, receiver and safety. But I think you're a little ambitious to think any of them is going to be the third in the third <laughs> round. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if I ended up with Bosa and Deontay Thompson as my top two picks or Bosa and Butler, who's my favorite receiver in this draft, or A.J. Brown is the one near the top of my list. With my first two picks, I'd be pretty happy with that. And I don't think you're going to get one of those other names you mentioned in the third. Um, but trade-ups are possible. I mean, maybe you take your third and a future third, and you move up to 60 in one of them that happens to fall. Um, but I would say it's probably equal in terms of what position is more likely to provide a late second, early third, you know, home run for you. I, I really think both are set up pretty well. And I'm not avoiding your question. I think <laughs> it's set up quite well for both. But little pie in the sky to think one of them is going to be their third. Yeah, I think, you know, yeah, Adderley exactly. Or somebody like that. The, the idea here would be maybe 
that trade-up range. You could get into the 50s if one of those guys starts to fall, if the 49ers are really all about those position groups. Do you have, mm-hmm. uh, before we go here, we're running out of time. Do you have a Real quick, though, Thompson to me is the most Earl Thomas, Ed Reed-like. You know, if you really are going to run a Seattle-like defense more or less, to me he's the most pure free safety middle of the field center fielder of the group. You know, it's odd because Thompson had you know, first round, he was in first round box most right. of the season long, kind of fell off toward the end of the season. And now he seems to be the guy that's maybe fourth out of the guys I've mentioned in a lot of mocks I'm seeing and is, is started to fall the furthest. And I'm wondering about that. And I can't, did he work out yet at his pro day? Because I know he's dealing with some injuries and didn't do the combine stuff. So I think that's the last box he needs to check. And I don't really know even what to think about where Thompson's stock is anymore. I, I think the knock on him is, first of all, I do think that there's, you know, it's Baskin Robbins with safeties. I mean, there's a lot of flavors and maybe you like blackberry and I like chocolate. And, you know, there's just, there's no wrong answer with the top of the safety class. And I still think he's in that discussion. I think he's a little less versatile than the others in that he really is best well off the ball. You don't want him in man coverage against tight ends or near the box. And I think all the rage are these guys that can do everything like a savage. I mean, that could come down and play man coverage on Christian McCaffrey, maybe. You know what I mean? So I think he's more of a one-trick pony compared to the other safeties in this draft. And I also think when he walks in the room, he's a little thinner and a little less impressive on the hoof. You know, and I tend to think, because you mentioned that with, with the workouts and what Savage can do, what Juan Thornhill can do, he could play corner, he could play safety, and mm-hmm. the way those guys worked out at the Combine, Savage throwing down 4-3-6, I think it was, and how fast he plays on film. He's one of my favorites, even though you didn't really get to see him play more of a single high role in college. He, he absolutely has the athleticism to do that, and is so good going downhill and, and covering people coming across the field in man coverage. It's, it's crazy. And then Juan Thornhill, with what he did, putting up, Byron Jones like combine numbers. Uh, I almost think those guys are being slept on largely, and they could even be surprised first round picks, let alone trying to get toward the third round. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm with you. I mean, I think there's a better chance they are top 40 picks than they are 70 ish. And there are a few of them, and they're all fighting for the same spots, of course. But you know how this league works. I mean, the, the offensive coordinators, you know, you're, yours in San Francisco is an epitome of this. They are so good at finding mismatch players, particularly in the passing game. I mentioned McCaffrey, and he's one of the best out there, but everyone now has a movable tight end and or running back to go along with receivers. And defensive coordinators need guys that don't come off the field, can do a lot of things, can at least hold their own against higher-end receiving backs and tight ends because every team you face has several of them. So. I think the cover men are going to be really sought after, and especially those names you mentioned, because they can do a lot of things, and they're athletes. Matt, we're out of time here. It's always a pleasure to chat with you, and I do got to remind everybody, don't forget to, of course, subscribe to both of these podcasts, but next week that super show, the Locked On Podcast Network mock draft special hosted by myself and Matt. It'll be on the Locked On Podcast. NFL show. It's going to be super fun. And uh, I'm I'm so excited for that. I'm looking forward to it. And it's going to be several episodes, right? I mean, yes, five episodes. Uh, you and I need to long. talk about this behind the scenes, get it all settled down. But I just want to tease it to our fans a little bit. But it's going to pretty much run all week, right? Yep. Monday through Friday, we're going to hit all the That's teams, awesome. do six or seven picks per day. Uh, it's going to be so much fun. Good stuff. 
Absolutely. Thanks for listening, everybody. Remember, you can subscribe to this show on the new Himalaya podcast app, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Talk to you next time.